0: Welcome back to part two of Black and Blue podcast. This is my dear friend Jeremy Bohannon. He's a law enforcement officer, a police officer for over 13 years. Check out part one of our conversation. But Jeremy is cut from the same cloth as both Ken and I, and not only because of what we stand for, but who you are too. If you're watching this and you're listening, because you're part of the uh, the unification, you're part of the culture change that this country is desperate for. So, Jeremy, let's get rolling. Let's do it. Ken, meet Jeremy. He's from the uh, from the west side of the country. We don't say where he's from, but he's a police officer, and he just happens to be
1: black. to <laughs> be. What's up, Ken?
2: <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, it's good to um,
1: good to finally see you.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know. I so I you know I follow you on social, right? So yeah, I've been keeping I follow you, up, okay. you too. Cool, cool. Yeah, I've been keeping up with a lot of your stuff, and um. When they told me we were gonna be on, I thought you were in San Diego. So I was like, oh, you should just come through to the studio and then we were gonna do it here. And then they were
1: like, oh, um, he's not in San Diego. I could have made a trip to San Diego though.
2: Oh yeah, see, hey, it's always great over here. So yeah, Yeah, it's it's true. Um, Yeah, um, my bad for being late. I'm packing up for a trip. I don't know if you know, we, um, we speak at schools, we speak at, and you probably do as well, um, but I'm heading out heading out for a week long tour. So everything is just kind of all over
0: the place right now. Yeah. So you know, Ken, we covered a lot of ground about his background and the things that he's doing. And obviously you follow him on social media. And you know, we were talking about paying the price for being an activist and paying the price for standing up against injustice, but do it in a way that's respectful. And yeah. uh, you know, we just come off a great week, you and I. We were together in uh, in Laguna Beach and we met a lot of great people. We were not on the beach.
2: Yeah, uh, well, we we were were kind of on the beach.
0: Yeah, kind of on the beach. It was the closest thing to paradise that I've been. But, (laughs) you know, the takeaway that I got from there, and it was uh, with the private sector, I think I was probably one of the only, if not the only, government worker there. But everybody shares in one thing, and that is people want peace and unity. You know, and that's not a weak thing. Like, you know, I'm a four-time Ironman. I'm a bodybuilder. I'm a cop. But it's okay to be like, listen, I don't want to fight today. I don't want to fight, in, 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 you know, and, and have a career of just conflict. How do we solve this? I don't want to answer another homicide on the street. I don't want to take another CSC from a family. Like, how, you can't do it all, but you got to do something. Ken, we've been doing this for a long time, and we've been using our platforms. But you got to help us out when it comes to, to the podcast, bringing black and blue together. Do you see the hope that people want when you're with a group like we were last week?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think, that type of a group, they, they're looking for answers and they're looking for answers from people like us. You know, when they know that you're in law enforcement, they've got expectations of you. They know that when I'm out on the front lines as an activist, they have expectations of me. You know, they're all, everyone there was either from the corporate world or from entertainment, you know? So, so I feel like they look at what's happening from, from a very high building looking That's out right. window, mm-hmm. you know, and we're on the ground, we're not in high buildings. We're out there on the floor, all three of us that are on this call, we're, we're in the middle of it, we're in the thick of it. They get to watch it on, yeah. on TV. But I think what helps is that from the angle that they see it from, there's a lot that they can do. There's a lot of influence that they have. And, and I think for people like us to make them aware of their influence, that's yes. where change happens. And, and that's what we started to see even in interacting with that group. Um, I noticed that they're like, oh, we can lean on these guys yep. for answers or where to put money or where to run our next change campaign. You know, and, and so it it's important that we do that sort of work. You know, um, when I look at, at all of our, our pages, um, the I guess the, the community, element is always there you know whether it's on it's on my page or both of your pages you know that aspect of community policing Mm -hmm. it's like that's so key you know because otherwise when do people get to see the change that's actually happening right otherwise they would just see you guys in uniform and and feel like you're like everyone else but you're not you know neither of you are and and so i think that's important for people to recognize that
0: and what I found too is Ken is a legend among these people because he's got, <laughs> he's got, he's got, uh, results behind him. So oh, yeah. Ken's a social activist, right? Oh, yeah. But you're not going to listen to anybody or nobody's going to give you credibility unless they can go back and say, okay, they're the real deal. And so one of the things that we like to do on this podcast is to call people to action. And, and, you know, Ken, we were sitting in that one think tank in that, uh, in that circle and you were to my right and we were kind of talking, I was looking at all the talent and experience around that. And we yeah. we said right then and there, no matter what, before we started, they've got to have a call to action. So I'm asking you, Jeremy, if you have a platform that speaks around the world, you've got a platform here on black and blue, what call to action do you have for police and the community right now?
1: So I think what I would say is um, spread positivity. And what I mean by that is we can always find the negatives in every situation, right? Whether we watch a video, whether we're talking about a certain community, we're always gonna look at the negative stuff. Uh, But we need to do a little bit more digging to find that positive and be the the person who uplifts that and really exposes the positive things and what's going on. And so how that is actionable is if you're a community member And, you know, there's a video out or there's something, you know, something about the police, like show some of the positive side, show that there are positive things that actually also go on. Yes. Um, Have that level of understanding. You know, you can say, hey, all all this part of the community is bad because X, Y, Z. But you can debunk a lot of that stuff. Um, Just by being positive and thinking on a positive level, like how is this going to is this is what I'm doing, making things better or is it making things worse? Is it is it building fear or is it breaking down the fear? And so that's what we're positive. People are trying every single day to break down those levels of fear. Um, And especially on this podcast, being black, trying to break down the fear of being black for people, you know, And as a cop, I'm trying to break down the fear of having to deal with police officers and how to interact. And so that's, that's what you do. And if you're not able to do that yourself, then share what somebody else is doing. Yeah, Yeah. man. We talk about uh,
0: celebrate victories. They may not be big victories, but something good has to happen. It's like, I I always compare it to losing weight or battling cancer. If I'm 50 pounds overweight and I lose five pounds, don't come to me and say, yeah, but you still have 45 pounds left to go. No, celebrate the victory. Same thing when you're fighting an illness. If I had a good day today, then let's celebrate that, and that's that positive twist. Yeah,
2: you know, you know what I like about what you just said, Jeremy, is that you're you're not someone that just says it and and doesn't do it. Um, it people can go to your page and see that that you're you post a lot of positive stuff. You post a lot of positive stuff with the community. That's why I follow you. You know, because I like we get so bogged down by all the negativity that's in the world. If I wanted to see more of the negative story, I could just turn on regular news, you know? Mm-hmm. But for those of us that are seekers of good, it's yeah. important that we share the good because when we when we understand how many people are having negativity just shoved in their face all the yeah. time, like, hey, here's this bad story. It made me feel like crap here, you should see it too. Why do I want to see that? You know? And so instead for those of us on this call, when we see something good, it's like, man, that made me feel good here. I want you to feel good. I just don't understand why, why so many people choose to shine the negativity more than they do the positive stuff. And I I understand bringing awareness to the negativity. That's important as well. But some people it's like, that's your entire identity. I don't want to be attached to such a brand, you know, that is just entirely negative. It's like, but when, when are you positive? And sadly, that's not just some people's brand. That's some people's lifestyle. That's That's a lot of people's lifestyle is just negativity, you know? And so I try and be around people that, that are positive, uplifting and, and fun. And, you know, I think with this sort of work with everything that all of us do you know you guys working at is still in law enforcement actively or the things that i do whether i'm traveling around or on the front lines it's like we still have to find that that bit of good i'm sure like i already know what you see on a regular basis chris but jeremy i'm sure you see some messed up stuff regularly but people wouldn't know that just through hanging out with you or going mm-hmm. on your social media page. Same yeah. with Chris. You go on Chris's page. It's like he's always smiling and happy, but I'm like, I know he sees some messed up stuff, but we don't like to to harp on that. And I, yeah. I think it's really important.
1: No, you're right. That, I mean, that that's a huge, you know, that's a huge thing. Even my friends, you know, like, man, you never talk about the bad stuff that you're seeing. All I'm like, you know, honestly, you know, like I, I'm not here to, you know, create that fear and like you know be like hey man everything's just so messed up because because really when you're an officer you're getting called to that and so yeah. you know in our world it's an everyday thing right it's you know we get 10 calls a day four or five things maybe be messed up and so that's why I can go to a call where you know uh, you know a girl just gets shot and killed and I'm trying to do CPR and I'm hearing the blood coming out of her throat you know what I mean and then go to three more calls and like yeah, I forget it because it's something that's daily networking. Yeah. If you're just a regular person who's, who's not in law enforcement, that's something that you may only see once in your life or never mm-hmm. or right, only on the movies, yeah. you know? And so, and I think, you know, that's, a, that's another important aspect of policing. It's like we see negativity all day long, every day. And that's why it's important for law enforcement officers, especially people who are on patrol, who don't regularly get to engage and have a good time with people to do that. It's like rotate off for, you know, if you have (laughs) an opportunity because, you know, we take time to train, we take time to go and sit in the classroom and do all these things. Why can't we take time and send our patrol officers out to have a cookout Mm -hmm. with somebody in the community or to go hang out at the, the jumping, the jumping house? you know, just randomly show up. And like, hey, we got some officers here. The kids would go crazy over that. Yeah, Not know. only is that helping the community out and they're seeing that, hey, you're a human being, but those officers that are literally dealing with negativity every single day, yeah. they can finally say, hey, I had a nice conversation with, you know, this person who I ne- would have never had a conversation with. Or these kids came up and gave us hugs and they loved us and we were eating ice cream together. You know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. Like, yeah. You, we community
2: that up. It's community policing right. isn't just for the community. That's, That's what right. I hear you oh, yeah. saying. And that's really powerful, you know? and It can't
0: because, be just one cop or one division. It's got to come from the chief and down. It's got to be
1: top down. That's the yeah. that's the only that's, way it'll work. You know, you have yeah. to get that buy-in. You know, I listen yeah. to a lot of Simon Sinek, man, and, and you know, it talks about how you're going to get that, you know, help build that culture, change the culture in your in your, you know, in your corporation. Right. And, you know, not everybody's going to go on, but you got to find those people who are early adopters. Right. And every department has those people who are willing to, they're just kind of afraid because they don't have anybody that's really supporting them or backing them up on it. So they're like, man, I want to do this, but ah, they're going to talk about me and they're going to, oh, that's not real policing and blah, blah, blah. And so people are afraid to just take that step and that leap of faith and just start doing it for other people to catch on.
2: Yeah. I've, I've got a, a question for you, Jeremy. So as, as a black officer, when, when you go into um, like, let's say some some rough neighborhoods. Um, do you, as a community policing officer, as someone who obviously you do a lot of good in the community, do you feel threatened going into those areas because of the nature of the job? Or do you feel like I've I've earned my stripes by being an active participating member of the community that I don't feel as threatened going into some of those places?
1: Uh, no, I'll be honest, you know, anywhere I go, anytime you go on a call, wherever it is, there's going to be a level of fear. Right. Um, there's going to be a level of, you know, because not everybody knows me. You know, I'm not why, you know, I'm not I don't have 10 million follow- followers. You know, I don't even have as many followers that would be in a subdivision somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, I always go in the same, you know, and, you know, I talked about this with, with Chris earlier, you know, being in corrections. And, and, you know, I go in with this level of respect. Um, because I know that if I go in with respect, I'll more than likely I have a better chance of getting it back. Yeah. And so I look at it as levels of fear, right? Like, you know, I feel like I have more armor built up to block that fear than other people may have, you know? And so one thing may happen. Now it's only, I've only lost one little piece of armor. I still got some, some so I'm not going to escalate my response or feel like I'm threatened, you know what I mean? It's going to take a lot more for me because i i have a little bit more of an understanding of those those places because i've stayed in places like that i've lived in, my grand my grandparents live in San Bernardino California and so i remember when i was a kid i used to not be able to play outside on the block you know yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. and so yeah. um so you know i i know those areas i understand them i understand the people in them and so i have more levels to block some of the fear that i may have going in some yeah. people may not have those levels built up and once you lose one now you're 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 really in fear for your life and then you're going to ramp up the way you are. And so I go in it with a level of respect and, you know, I still go in thinking, Hey, officer safety, like, you know, I got to go in and whatever my job is, I have to fulfill it. Um, but you know, it's just, I may be coming from a different level than somebody who may never been in that experience and it's their first time going in and all they know is the stereotypes that they've heard and the generalizations that they've heard and they don't know the people within.
2: Mm. And that that creates that level of nervousness on top mm-hmm. of the fear and people start yeah. making mistakes yeah. versus you being a little bit more calm and collected in, in, in those areas, but still recognizing that there is a potential threat. There's, a, there's
1: potential. Yeah. It's, and that's the thing. And I, I think that's for for everything. I mean, you, you still have to go in and, you know, that's why I feel like training and, and academy and like learning the, the your threshold is very important you know Like, hey don't you why are you guys training so hard and you guys are training for for this like because we may see it one day yeah you know what I mean? it may not be tomorrow it may only happen once in my career but i can go back to my training and now i you know i break down the fear i break down the nervousness and i can calm down and, and actually try to figure out this task because i can go back to my training that's yeah. why it's so important you know people are trying to say hey you guys shouldn't train like that at all you know what i mean it's like no if you expect us to go into these situations, like we have to be able to, you know, um, face the worst thing that possibly could happen to us. And we have to have the right tools for it, the right training to be able to do it. And that's why we train the way we train. Um, However, with that, I can still go in and still have that respect, still have that dignity, still go in there and accomplish without having to use anything that I've ever learned using just my mouthpiece and be able to get the situation under control um, you know, so then we can go on with our with our days and everybody can go on with their life. Yeah.
2: What uh um, what years were you in San Bernardino? Was that in the nineties? Uh, what's that?
1: Was that yeah. in the nineties? Yeah, yeah. So, or- yeah. So my grandparents moved to San Bernardino, I, I want to say ninety-five or 95 oh, yeah. Or, actually, maybe, or maybe actually earlier than that, because I think I was like 10, 9 or 10 when they moved to San Bernardino. And so okay. and I'd be there every summer um you know and christmases and holidays yeah. and stuff like that so it's actually for those my who, wife
2: too. <laughs> oh you met her in san bernardino oh okay, yeah, cool, okay cool. so for those who are listening that don't know san bernardino california um during that period, Riverside County is is where it is. It's uh, it's almost like an extension of Los Angeles. And for those that know of LA in the 90s, gang violence was was rampant. Whether Bloods, Crips, or the various Latino gangs, um, my mom wouldn't let us play outside either <laughs> during that yeah. time. So I don't yeah. blame your grandparents.
1: Especially on the front yard.
2: Yeah, exactly. The the gang yeah. influence was so. Heavy out there, and a lot of the crimes were just open and in, in your face uh, back then during that period. So, um, so yeah.
1: Yeah, the newspaper and the news was white. Like that's where yeah. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> like, yeah. you couldn't get through a whole news segment without you know ten murders, five exactly. car chases, you know, and yeah, so crazy
2: times. People were even getting jacked out of their cars back then. I remember that oh, was yeah. huge in the '90s in California. Just pulling up to a stoplight and somebody telling you to get out of your
1: car. That's great. Yep. I'm no, glad
2: that doesn't were, happen as much they were, anymore. They
1: were people uh, burning in barrels and stuff and like That's I was just crazy. down the street from them, I'm like, what? Like, yeah." <laughs> yeah. Is that is yeah. part
2: of that what you saw during that time? Did do you feel like that influenced your career path a bit?
1: No. No. no I, never, I never thought about being a police officer. Yeah, I never, okay. Oh, I about this with Chris, yeah. I, that did not um, that actually probably would have discouraged it a little
2: bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't want to do
0: It's
1: funny. I wouldn't have to deal with that. No.
0: <laughs> so Jeremy, I got to ask you, man, switching gears from something that can be really heavy growing up in San Bernardino, California, and, and uh, all the trauma you see, man, you're a funny guy on TikTok, man. I, I, what, How do you come up with your content? And Ken, I want you to know right out of the get-go, you will not see me in shorts
1: and uniform. I can't pull it off.
0: <laughs> I can't do it. Right. You've got yeah, I'm glad. not
1: me. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm actually the guy, you know, once I saw our policy change to saying, as long as you have black shoes, um, I started wearing my black Air Force One. So I actually wear them. I wear my black Air Force One. Sometimes they're strapped. Sometimes they're not strapped up. Uh, but that's just me, my comfort level, and just that. Now ability. you got to explain what that means to our listeners and viewers. No, Not so, everyone knows what so, you're talking about. So there, so black, like black air force ones, there's this. Stereotype of people yes. who wear black air force ones of just being extremely. Uh, ghetto and aggressive. If I can, yeah. you know, just for lack yeah. of a, term. a hood. it's a funny thing to me because I've always worn air force ones or black air force ones. Like I actually started wearing my uh, black air force ones in 2012. Uh, for work you know and so and when i have to dress it up i i have some some jordan boots that i can polish so if i need polished boots i'll wear those but
0: you wear those air force ones to send another message that not even police officer and wear ghetto shoes
1: i i can yeah like i can pull out the black air force ones and be the nicest guy you'll ever meet have you smiling at the end of it um and i may give a forty year old a sticker you know what i mean like (laughs) so you know, uh, so I'm trying to not only am I trying to break down, you know, being black and break down being that's a cop, funny, but I'm also trying to break down the fear of the black Air Force Ones, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, on a daily basis, that's what <laughs> so. What that's kind funny, of an individual,
0: not the stereotype, if they weren't a police officer and in uniform, would probably wear Air Force Ones? What, 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 what was I say that again? I just say if you weren't a police officer in uniform. We're an Air Force One. What would people commonly be involved with or part of?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I, I don't maybe stuff that I did pre-college, yeah. pre, you know, like in the those days before I became police officer. But the point is, yeah. don't judge me by my shoes. Judge don't me by judge my don't judge anybody by their shoes. You know, a yeah, lot of yeah. crazy people wear black Air Force Ones. That's why I wear them. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think it's more of a joke. You know, it's it's real funny. I bet you know if you go on TikTok and type in "black Air Force Ones," you'll probably get some really funny videos to pop up for that. I might even make one. Have ones. you ever seen Ken's tiger shoes? No.
2: I got some fly kicks though. I like I get exclusives from Nike that See? other people don't, don't have. And I'm trying to get on that plan. Oh, okay, cool. Are, are you a sneakerhead too?
1: I am not a sneakerhead because I ain't got money for that. You know, what oh. I, got kids, I up the whole house, so okay, you know. <laughs>
2: So I, I went through this phase as a sneakerhead where um, growing up really poor, all the shoes that I wanted when I was young. I think that's what happens to a lot of us that collect oh, yeah. retros. We go back and we try and find yeah. all of the shoes that we couldn't yeah. get in middle school and high school. Yeah. And so when they re-release them as retros, then then that's part of what turned me into a sneakerhead. But oh, of yeah. course, my wife is always like, hey, you have... So many shoes in this closet that you don't even wear. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not supposed to wear them. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's like it's a trophy that you get them every now and again. I'll I'll pull out a pair, and people will trip out because they're like, man, those have to be from like 1997. How are they yeah. so clean? Probably only worn
1: them one time. Just one time. Yeah. Yep.
0: Hey, Jeremy, um, what what video has gotten the most traction that you've ever put out?
1: Um, I I think there was one I had done. It was actually pre-George, I actually posted maybe a week or two before George Floyd happened. Um, and it was, uh, I think, I think the song was the box or it was one of the, one of those songs with Roddy Rich, I believe. Um, and on that, it was like, a, I was dancing, but then I was putting on, you know, some positive stuff like, Hey, you know, like, you know, most people think, you know, you know, police officers are this, but we're actually out here trying to make the world a better place, you know, vibe with me. And, and so, you know, it went, it went viral for two reasons. One, I had the shorts on. So people were like, why are you wearing shorts? You know what I mean? Um, but then another one is just more of the message. You know? With your so Air Force like, Ones. I did have my Air Force Ones on, I believe. Yeah. I don't know if they were visible in that video, but right. yeah, you know, and it, it's uh, TikTok's tough though, because it's one of those things like, I like Instagram's easy. You know, the, some of the other stuff is easy. TikTok, it's, it's hard to come up with stuff, you know, and it's like, you know, you're really trying to ride the trends. But then you also want to have like a little message in there too. Right. Um, and then it gets exhausting. And then, and then, you know, that mental part comes in too. And it's yes. like, you know, especially in this, you know, in the profession that we're in, you got people talking mess about you 24 seven because all oh, this isn't policing. Um, but that's where the kids are. That's where the community's at. That's where the attention's at right yeah. now. Um, and so that, I think that's why it's important to at least, you know, try to, if you really care about trying to connect with people, especially during this pandemic, this is, that's where you're going to have to connect. You know, we, you know, the face to face stuff has, has diminished a lot. And so, um, that connection. And so, and it's really cool to be able to go out and, you know, see some kids or, you know, somebody that saw you on there, but Hey, I saw your video or, you know? Um, and so I think that's cool because, you know, um, not everybody gets to see a police officer just on a regular, you know, not doing anything, you know, they might see us eating or something, but we're usually on a call or we're usually doing something that they may see as negative. Um, and so the more positivity you can feel with them, smiling and, you know, having fun. Um, and maybe that'll change that perspective. perspective. Something
0: simple like that video got that much traction because it shows a different perspective. So Ken and I usually do this, man. We close out our episode with a final thought. So, um, Jeremy, as we uh, wrap this up, this is the second part of our conversation. Part one, part two. We've talked about a lot, and mm-hmm. uh, if you could summarize your time here on Black and Blue, what we're doing, and and uh, maybe some advice to people that are listening or watching, whatever it is, the floor is yours for this next minute, and uh, you close us out, bro. Uh,
1: man, so so I'll close with with a, a quote: um, "Ignorance breeds fear, fear breeds hate, and hate breeds." Destruction. Mm. And so this is why I love this podcast. This is why I love the connections, the positive connections that we can create, the community engagement. Um, We're breaking down that ignorance so then we don't get Mm -hmm. to the fear and then we don't get to the hate. and We don't get to the destruction. And that ignorance is being broken down by conversations. Yeah. Broken down by connection, you know, by bringing people together who normally wouldn't get together. I remember when I first started in policing, but when I first started, they told me, hey, oh, that guy, he's an activist. He hates your guts. he that activist there. So I, I was afraid of activists until I actually started meeting some, I, like, I'm not joking. I was a, There are people who look at activists as, you know, this negative thing, just people like that threats. Just, yeah, exactly. Right. It's a threat. And so there's even that ignorance. You know what I mean? It's like, what we're doing and what you guys are doing is breaking down that ignorance you know what i mean so that we don't get to destruction say that one more time
0: man say what you just said that one more time
1: all right so so ignorance breeds fear fear breeds hate and hate breeds destruction listen to that folks and don't
0: and i'm gonna tell you i can speak firsthand all social activists aren't scary because i got killed. oh yeah (laughs) that's that's why i started
1: following i'm like yo and
0: and we've got great he scary uh, he's yeah. bad to the bone but he ain't scary okay? yeah. i'll go <laughs> you know, with Wada k jr any day i'll just <laughs> roll in the front oh. lawn of san Bernardino, california <laughs> uh, that guy right there is one of us
1: yeah oh yeah Thank definitely and there's a, you know and there's a lot of them and i think that's the thing we need to stop um with all this us versus them and start figuring out how to work together you know and, yeah um, you know, and so, you know, there's activists within the police department, you know what I mean? Yeah. I get called an activist all the time. I'm like, hey, cool. That don't hurt yeah. me. Now, if you were to call me that year one, I would be like, oh, man, you know, I would be mad. But right. that's, my yeah. that's, that's cool. If yeah. activists is somebody that's trying to make things better, then then sign me up, you know, what yeah. I mean? and I'll do this. And as long as you guys still allow me to be a police officer, I'll still continue to do that and do the best yeah. that I can at that, too. Uh, but that's being true. inside and, and being able to connect with activists yeah. and see the things that, that they see. Um, and be able to connect on that level to where we can actually have discussions and, and see where that common ground is, man, that's that's just beauty right there. And if that can happen in every single community across this country, we would be in a much better place. Boom, yeah. oh, man.
0: That's awesome. Well, hey, listen,
1: Jeremy, will you come back on a
0: podcast soon? Oh, anytime you want me, man. I'm, I'm here you for you You might even you come to the West, Coast, the
1: West Coast uh, studio. S- set it up. Yeah,
2: a hey, reason, hey, reason for you good. to be I'm back in
1: I know Cali. My, I, I, yeah. my, I got a lot of family still over there, so I'm, cool. I'm good. Okay. Hey, listen, man, I
0: appreciate it. And uh, Ken, it's always great to connect with you. We had a great week this week. And until next time, this is Chris Swanson, Sheriff of Genesee County.
2: Ken K Free Hugs Project.
1: Go ahead, Jeremy. Jeremy Bohannon. Hey, man, we appreciate
0: it. We'll see you next time. Be safe and thank you again. Ciao. Awesome.